Hey, Father, that you will bless us now as we think about what it really means to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that when we leave here today, we'll know exactly what that means. But not just what it means. I pray that we will be marching out of here as soldiers, ready to fight the battles that are all around us and in some cases even within us. Lord, pray that you will give us courage today if we need to respond to your invitation that we'll do it while we still have the opportunity to do so. And Father, I just pray you'll help me to communicate in a simple, understandable way these points that you lay out in this text. And I pray for those who hear them that you'll be able to accept it even if I'm inadequate to the task. Thank you for all that you will accomplish in us and through us, for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Paul's writing this here in 2 Timothy at the end of what was a stellar work as an apostle of Jesus Christ, carrying the gospel to the whole world. Colossians 1 verse 23. I can imagine that in the course of that, there were some events that just thrilled him in his memory. He can think back on successes in the field that despite all the obstacles, the church was established and it was thriving. I'm sure there were lots of those. But there were also those things, I'm sure in his mind, which is natural for all of us, the things that didn't go so well. Frustrated because maybe you started well and it didn't end well. I'm thinking specifically about how good things had gone in the region of Asia. In Acts chapter 19, verse 10, and also later in verse 26, he just emphasizes how good the work in Asia had gone. People had been converted hand over fist. It was, it was just an extraordinary thing to see. But between those conversions and what we're reading over in the opening chapters of the book of Revelation, something had happened. Persecution, distress in the church, false teaching, leaders that weren't really leading but Dividing the church. I think about the church in Smyrna, for instance. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, a famous text for us because there's that singular piece of instruction that always gives us hope. But remember, it's in the midst of churches not doing too well. He says, now be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. So that we lift out and we are hopeful. Oh, if I'm faithful, I'll get the crown of life. But don't miss. Now, he's talking about people who literally are facing the possibility of death for their faith. And he says, now, church in Smyrna, if you'll be faithful, if you'll endure, even to death, I'll give you the crown of life. Not just the church in Smyrna, every single one of those churches addressed, seven in all. Every one of them he encourages to overcome. Here we are all these years later. And aside from their mention in the book of Revelation and mentions made through the epistles or especially the book of Acts and the missionary tours. Aside from all that, what do we hear much 
from any of those churches today. Frustration, upset, disappointment. The struggle to be a child of God. And yet here in this text, we are called to be called to be soldiers, called to be soldiers who are going to fight in this battle in spite of the setbacks and the difficulties, we are going to be overcomers. So today I want to think with you about exactly what that might be, to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There's several things that are pointed out here in the text. We're just going to dwell on a few one by one and see what we can draw out here. And I notice immediately that a good soldier is one who endures hardships. You therefore must endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I guess for a soldier in a literal world-based army, there is the expectation of suffering. They even begin their training, just bringing about intense suffering. I don't know if you ever read such things. I was reading some of the description of training for Navy SEALs, and I know not all soldiers go through that. Not all soldiers survive it. That's why there's only a limited number of those guys. But the intensity of the training is unbelievable. It seems beyond reason that a human would be pushed to the limits of their physicality and their mental stability. And yet that's necessary in order for that particular unit to function in the capacity that they're called upon to function in. And things that are unimaginable, yet they're able with a cool and steady mind and hand to accomplish things that seem impossible. And you know, actually, the child of God is called not just, not just to suffer or to deal with extreme difficulties, but actually in some ways to anticipate and, and want those things. Because in the midst of those dire circumstances, spiritual growth takes place. I'm thinking, of course, of James chapter 1, beginning verse 2. James says to count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Well, let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Here's the thing about our Christian service as a soldier. There's really no elite core. In the sense that all of us are called to endure. All of us are called to be overcomers. All of us are given the task, the role, the responsibility to function within the body of Jesus Christ. Not for our own glory, not just for a single task, but for the glory of God. An eternal glory that we aspire to. All of us aspire to the same things. All of us, even aspiring to suffering, knowing that through that suffering, God is going to not just glorify himself, but he is going to strengthen and build us and make us better equipped for the next thing that we face. And those struggles, those difficulties, those challenges, they come from every direction. Sometimes we might say that it's just the it's just the nature of things, Ken. You know, life is just filled with uncertainty and we have to be ready for anything. You know, we can't anticipate the trials that are going to come. Uh, we, we think we have it all figured out. We think we've we finally got the last thing dealt with and we've got a smooth path forward and all of a sudden something unexpected happens. And the unexpected always does happen. 
So Ken, I, I guess that really what's being talked about here, that's just to be anticipated. But I would suggest to you that, yeah, there, there is a sense in which just things happen and they're unexpected and uh, we just kind of walked into it. But there are also circumstances that are the result of our own sin. We chose to commit sin or we made the mistake and now we're facing the consequences for it. That could be something. Or, or maybe it is that we suffer simply because we're a Christian. I mean, we are doing the right thing and we're thinking, you know, God's going to bless me for doing this. But despite the blessings of God that flow every good gift from him from above, despite that, still there are repercussions that come as a result of being a faithful Christian. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, Peter lays out both of those things. He said, let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. We are going to suffer. It might be the result of your sin. He said, far be it from you that that would be the case. But I'm telling you that even if it's not that, you still are prone to suffering. You can suffer as a Christian. And when you do, don't just fall down, woe is me. But actually through this, as I am representing Jesus, I can, well, instead of giving up, falling on my face and throwing in the towel, I can endure this thing ultimately to the glory of God. The apostle Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12 says that those who are desiring to do these good things, here's what they can experience. They can experience suffering. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, you know what, if you're going to be involved in godly living, let me just tell you, wow, amazing guarantee, you be involved and pursue godly living and all is going to be rosy, blue skies and rainbows. But now he says, those who do that, the expectation is that you're going to suffer for it. The world is not happy. It is not signing off. It is not rejoicing in your life as a Christian. Paul, who wrote that, wow, he knew that better than anybody, I suppose. Most of us can point to one or two occasions where we stood up for the truth and here's what happened and all glory to God. But Paul, Paul in confrontation with those who were trying to wreck his apostleship in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22, it's almost, it's almost like he loses his mind there for a moment. He's like, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they, are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. And labor is more abundant, stripes above measure, and prison more frequently, and deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often. In perils of robbers, in perils of waters, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirsting and fasting, often in cold and nakedness. And besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I'll boast in the things which concern my infirmity. Don't just come over here and say, oh boy, Paul, if you were with God, he would do this or that. He says, I bear in myself the scars, the stain of all that I've done for Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you the thing that I'm most proud of is the defeats. Because in those defeats, it is God himself who is glorified. In fact, in the very next chapter, talk about getting off his rocker. He goes into this description of how he had desired so much to have this affliction removed. And he goes to the Lord praying three times. And the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. 
for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And he, so, so he says, I'll just glory in that. I will rejoice. It's, into, it's true, you know, we, we have got to come in here enduring all of these afflictions and difficulties. That's what soldiers do. But another thing that soldiers do is they don't sit back and just let it happen. They engage the fight. They get in there as soldiers and they fight. I was thinking about soldiers in preparation for this and and I realized, you know, there's a lot that goes into the military. But I just want to say this in the beginning, before I get into all of that, a soldier fights battles. That's what soldiers do. Now, you've seen all the advertising. I've seen advertising since I was a young person. Enticements to join the military. There was a time when the enticement was, if you'll join the military, you will get to see the world. Wow, that would be amazing. That'd be great. When I was in high school, they had recruiters come to the band room and they would talk about how that you could audition and become a part of the military band. And I remember going to some of those military band concerts and I thought they are like the most polished musicians. It is, a, it is just an amazing thing to behold and to see and to hear. Wow, boy, I, I at one time aspired to be a musician in a military band. I thought that would be the life. Some people hear about how they can go to school and you can become an engineer in the military and you are privy to information that is on the ragged edge of technology. You get to participate in projects that aren't even imagined in the civilian world. Ultimately, a lot of the fanciful things that happen today are trickle downs from military application. It's amazing. You want to get into the medical field, they say, fast track it right here in the military. And again, you are privy to some of the most advanced medicine in the world. It's amazing. Think about the perks of being a soldier. But did you know that if you play in the military band, they issue you a service weapon? Did, did you know that if you want to be an engineer, that'd be, that'd be great, go to school and you know, all of that. But despite being privy to the greatest technology on earth, they still issue you a service weapon. You want to serve in medicine? Great. That could probably begin a career that will go into civilian life. You've got it made. Let the military do but you know, they will issue you a service weapon. Why is that? It is because despite the fact that you can play in the band and that'd be amazing, or you can be an engineer and know all that technology, you can be in the medical field. Despite all that, the first thing that you are expected to be the very first thing is a soldier. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Oh, I don't know. Let's just take those things we just talked about. Let's put them in civilian clothes. You're in the band. You're in some kind of entertainment industry. Yay! But if you are a soldier of Jesus Christ, you know what you're expected to be first? A soldier of Jesus Christ. A Christian first. You're an engineer. You, you went to school. You, you have great knowledge. You build stuff that we can't even imagine. We go, will that stay in place? Oh yeah, I've calculated this out. Wow, you're amazing. You are amazing, but... You know, if you're a soldier of Jesus Christ, what you're expected to be first? 
You're expected to be a soldier of Jesus Christ first. You're expected to behave like a Christian first. In the medical field, great, long hours, but it's so satisfying. You get to help people in ways that most folks can't. We can only imagine helping. All of us are beneficiaries in one way or another of the skill of those who are in medical field, but I want to tell you, if you're in the medical field and you're a soldier of Jesus Christ, the first thing that you're expected to be is a soldier of Jesus Christ. It's okay to play in the band or be in entertainment. It's okay to be an engineer, architect, something like that. It's okay to be in the medical field. But if you are that and you are Christ's, you are expected to be his first, and all the other things, second. And as a soldier of Jesus Christ, just as in, the, in our military, you are expected to have your service weapons at the ready all the time. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Put your armor on. You're in the band, you're in entertainment. Great, put your armor on. Why? Because the battle doesn't stop ever. It's always going on. You're an engineer. You're an architect. You're in the medical field. Put your armor on. When am I in the battle? The battle is constant. It's around us always. It might be that Satan is even trying to lure your mind even in this moment away from the very thing that would attend to your focus on spiritual things. He is always active. And so we take up this armor, and this armor equips us for unimaginable conquests. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning verse 3, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The power of the gospel in the hands of those who put God first. The ones who are soldiers of Jesus Christ, who, who do all manner of things beyond that, but at the first serve Jesus. In that capacity, there are always going to be victories and there will be some defeats. But we are going to make no progress for the kingdom of God if we don't realize that first and foremost, we are soldiers who are always, no matter what else is going on, who are always ready to take on the task. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 15, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When am I supposed to be a Christian? On the first day of the week when I put my suit on? I am a soldier of Jesus Christ 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every single day of the year for the rest of my life. That comes first. But in connection with that, I need to be sure that I'm not somehow overcome by these entanglements. So I've got to avoid entanglements. 
keying off of what we just spoke about, I need to be the kind of soldier who is always concentrating. Yeah, I've got these other interests, but my number one interest, the thing I focus in on, is my Christianity, my life for the Lord. Entanglements are things that I get wrapped up in that take my attention off of the Lord. Now, almost always, I would use this text that I'm about to share with you in a different way. It's 1 1 Timothy, or 1 John chapter 2, verses 15, 16, and 17. 1 John chapter 2, 15 and following. He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world's passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So usually when I'm looking at this text, I'm, I'm making that divide, right? I'm talking about, well, on the one hand, they're serving God and doing what he commands. And then there's sin that's over here in the world. And he's just setting a contrast between the two. And, and I think that's exactly right. But I want to dig a little deeper here for a second and see something else that's alluded to in this text. He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now, he goes on to talk about how sin entices us and so forth. The timeless story. But don't miss that little phrase right there. The things that are in the world. You know, there are a lot of things in the world that are not sinful. There are a lot of things in the world that are absolutely harmless. My job. If I have a job, well, it's how I make a living. I I should have a job. In fact, Paul also tells Timothy, if a person won't work, he shouldn't eat. So I need a job. Yeah, you ought to have a job. You know, I'm a steward over this body, so I should be involved in recreational activities. Of course, sure. That's fine. Don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm a sports fan. I like to... You know, I like to watch ball games on TV. I like to go to ball games. It's a lot of fun. Hey, entertaining. Great. You know, kid, even Jesus, he didn't teach all the time. He went to Bethany, relaxed with his peace. I know. I got you. Those things are not inherently wrong. Unless... They become a kind of obsession or an addiction for us. In that case, something that all by itself has no sin associated with, all of a sudden becomes the same kind of problem as someone who is an alcoholic or someone who is a drug addict or someone who is a habitual sinner within the realm of sexuality. A person who becomes so obsessed with sin that they continue in it and in it and over and over and justify their behavior. You say, Kim, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the person who justifies themselves in their work to the extent they can. I've got to provide for my family. But that work begins to interfere with the primary responsibility they have to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. Number one, serve Yeah, but you know, my work takes me away so that I'm not able to serve Jesus like I would like to. Now, eventually I'll get around to that, but right now, this job requires a lot of my time. If it's taking your mind and your purpose away from Jesus' mind and his purpose, then you have become obsessed with something that is taking your mind off of Jesus. Mind off of your role as a soldier of Jesus Christ. Ken, you know, I, I like my kids in sports. I, I lo- Great. But if that becomes an obsession such that I'm going to choose that, over attendance in Bible classes. I'm going to choose that over my relationship with the Lord. I'm, I'm going to feign the participation even in the home of Bible studies with my children because we're just tired. We don't get, one day we're going to get around to that. But right now is their development phase and we just don't have time for everything. So the Lord will understand. Oh, wait a minute. The Lord who has called us to be soldiers of his has required his service to be number one. If war breaks out, the people in the band are going to put their instruments down and pick up their weapons. 
The person who is the engineer, if war breaks out, he's going to have a sidearm to protect his interests as he's designing more implements for war. If the military goes into war, yeah, they're going to activate their hospital units and they're going to the field, but those guys and ladies are going to have firearms by their side. Why? Because they are at war. What comes first? Say, well, the Lord will not, he'll, he'll put it. I don't read that anywhere. What I read is the Lord requiring 100% dedication to the task of serving as a soldier. Is it inherently wrong to do any of these things? No, no. But if they become my obsession, listen to me, my obsession to the exclusion or the putting aside of these other things, then I have lost my focus. I have become entangled. Have you ever seen... Insects get entangled in a spider's web. Here's what a spider generally does. Builds this sticky, intricate web and stays stationary with one of its little legs like a trigger right there touching the web for days and days and days and days. And then when a fly or some other small insect gets in that web, it doesn't move immediately. No, because if it did, the thing might, well, you know, fishermen, it'll jump off the hook. <laughs> but that fly will continue to struggle in that sticky netted web until it becomes immobile. That's when the spider will strike. Do not become entangled in the affairs of this life. But what we've really got to do is we've got to maintain our loyalty to Jesus Christ, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what is calling for my attention, I have got to put service to Jesus first. I am looking to please him who enlisted me as a soldier. I am trying to please Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm trusting him so, more that, so much that I'm going to stand with Joshua like maybe you would. Remember Joshua? Joshua and the close of his, his account of, of the life that, that he's leading to to take care of the children of Israel. Boy, they are going to be successful if they remain faithful to God. But there's murmuring going on. There's some complaining. Joshua rises up in Joshua 24, verse 15. He says, you know what? I, I don't know about all y'all. <laughs> you all may be wanting to go back to stuff that you've done before. Peace, that's fine. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what we are going to do. Now, are there a lot of other things we could? Absolutely, sure, sure. As long as that doesn't get in the way of serving the Lord. That's important, this service to God, keeping our connection with the Lord current, not being wishy-washy in our relationship with Him, but being 100% all the time. It's important because... I mentioned this battle that we're in as soldiers. It doesn't let up. There is no cessation of hostilities. Satan has the kind of energy that will last until it's all over with. And his target is you. In 1 Peter 5 verses 8 and 9, scripture there says that he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the face, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. It's nothing new for you. What you are experiencing, we're all experiencing. But what we've got to do is never give up to remain faithful in our service as soldiers in the cause of Jesus Christ. Jesus it's pretty clear about what he expects, isn't he? Luke chapter 9, verse 23. If anyone desires to come after me, 
Let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Later in chapter 14, verse 33, he says that unless you forsake all that you have, you can't even be my disciple. You know that in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, Paul encourages Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. And then later in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, I have fought the good fight, but he's encouraging Timothy to continue it on. That tells us something. This fight isn't going to end with us. So for instance, if I'm a parent in a family, what should I be demonstrating before them? Shouldn't I demonstrate before my children, if I want my family to have a legacy going forward of faithfulness to the Lord, shouldn't I already be demonstrating in the life that I live that Jesus always comes first? That when there is a question of what we're going to do, it always falls number one to my service to the Lord. Of course that would be true, but maybe that isn't true. Today, will you think about what the Lord's calling for, for you to do? Will you make the commitment to serve him faithfully all the way to the end? If you're a child of God, I'm not sharing anything new with you. But maybe it's reminding you of some things that have slipped. Don't become entangled in the cares of this world. Because that snare has been laid. That's a trap. And Satan will take advantage of you. Maybe you're not a child of God today. Today can be the day that you become free and you become enlisted in the army that is one, an army that is ultimately victorious. If you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God today, you can act in faith, repenting of your sins, confessing that faith, being buried in water, rising up out of that water, a different person, a new person. Today's the day. If you need to respond, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing.
As we prepare for the Lord's Supper, if anyone's in need of the emblems, the ushers will provide them at this time. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The beginning of verse 8 says, But God shows his love for us. For us, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 shows the preeminence of love, the supremacy of love that will always endure, that will always remain. This love of God, love of Jesus, it's, it's almost hard for us to perceive and understand a love so vast, so great, so deep. This love spoke from the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This love took the message to a lady whom the world would hardly even speak or have anything to do with. This same love is there for us today. As we think on these things, let us give thanks for the bread. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have. We're so thankful for the love that is given to us through the sacrifice. We're so thankful to be able to partake of this in a manner that we pray will be pleasing to thy sight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's give thanks for the cup. Dear Heavenly Father, in like manner, we thank you for this cup. It represents Christ's blood, that perfect purchasing blood that atones for us and we're so thankful for it. Pray as we partake of this. Pray that we do it pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we prepare to give back to God the things he's blessed us with, I'd like to read a couple of verses this morning from 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, beginning with verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It goes on to say that God loves a cheerful giver. You know, without... Money, and I know that's not a popular thing to talk about. This church can't exist. We have bills to pay, the lights, the heating and air conditioner bill, all, all sorts of bills that has to be paid. When uh, Moses was preparing for the tabernacle, he had to restrain people from giving because they gave more than he needed. There will always be a need to carry the gospel to the world, to feed the hungry. This church here, uh, I believe it was last month, took care of 181 families came through our food pantry. 114 have already come through this month. So the need is out there and will always be out there. I know I'm a member of our missions team here. There's 8 billion people or thereabouts on the planet earth today a very small percentage of one percent are Christians so the task before us is enormous it would be nice if uh, we could say we've got too much money but I know the other mission team members and the elders here will tell you that there will always be a need to carry the gospel to the world 
So with that in mind, if you'll bear with me, we'll offer thanks for the blessing God has given us. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for life, for health, for the wonderful way you have blessed us. We pray, Father, that the things that you've given us, that we will use them wisely, that we will give these things back to you. We pray for those that have charge of the funds that we donate back, that they will be used in a way that would be pleasing in your sight. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Welcome to the Boonville Church of Christ. If you're visiting with us this morning, we hope you come back at any opportunity you may have. We had 8.33 this morning in church. 3.33. 3.33. Great number. I have a bunch of announcements. Bear with me. Lads to Leaders Song Leading, Songs of Praise Workshop Session will begin following the service this morning in the TAC sessions will be over by noon. All participants, third grade and up, are encouraged to attend. Anyone who wants to learn more about song leading, congregational singing, is also welcome to attend. The workshop lessons are for the learning skills and the techniques for singing and presentations at convention. The Free Hardeman Chorale will be with us next Sunday, the 22nd. The young men from the group will conduct a devotional at five o'clock service. No classes will meet. At the conclusion of the devotional, uh, they will present their program. We will have a congregational fellowship meal in the annex following. Uh, visitation team will be helping with the meal, and they ask that everyone attend. Please bring several potluck dishes. Sign-up sheets will be out for those who can help set up and clean up. The food pantry and closed closets will be open this Thursday from 9 to 10.30. The monthly food pantry item is cornmeal. The worship service at Landmark will be at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Trunk or Treat will be Sunday night, the 29th of October. There are sign-up sheets for trunks. Please see Guy or Amelia Garner if you have any questions and would like to help. That's one. The youth group is leaving the TAC at 4.15 this afternoon to go to Iuka for the youth, youth Devo at Iuka Church of Christ. Also, I have a card, Dear Church Family. You're such a loving church family. We would like to thank you for all your prayers, calls, cards, visits, meals, while Ben was in the hospital in Christian love Ben and Joanne Roberts. Also, just remember, keep in your prayers the Odin and uh, Tim's family. Uh, Jimmy lost her sister this past week. 
uh, keep them in your prayers. Uh, also keep that young fella, Billy Deaton, in your prayers this week on his heart surgery. And they are more uh, that let's keep on our list also. If you will, stand and I'll lead us in a closing prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this opportunity to study more about thy word for this Lord's day. We love you. Help us always to love you as much as you love us. Help us always to be soldiers for you in our community, in our world, around everyone we come in contact with. Forgive us when we fail thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.